0: You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit narcissismfree.com or pathbacktoself.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today I'm going to talk about changing your toxic relationship patterns. Many of the people I work with who are coming out of toxic relationships with narcissistic partners are often more interested in learning why they keep attracting these types of relationships than anything else. Our relationship patterns usually begin in early childhood. They emerge from the type of relationship we had with our parents, if we got our needs met on a consistent basis, and what type of attachment style we developed. Our relationship patterns also stem from the level of self-esteem and self-worth we have and what core wounds we've developed. It's important to understand that because of early childhood dynamics, we're attracted to the toxic relationship partner more so than any other potential available partner because the person feels so familiar or rather we feel a lot like we did in our family of origin or with a toxic or unavailable parent. There's something we call a pattern match, which is when your subconscious mind recognizes a match between the energy of a primary family member and a potential relationship partner and chemistry is produced. So if you find yourself saying, I'm not really attracted to healthy partners, or yes, but I had chemistry with him or her, it's due to a pattern match. Pattern matches in relationships are made when something feels familiar or similar to a primary family relationship. If you had a parent who was unsupportive, abusive, judgmental, or fault-finding, for example, your subconscious mind will recognize that same type of energy in a potential mate, and it will produce a chemical reaction that you then interpret as attraction. If you were to meet someone who had completely different energy from a toxic parent, and is instead someone who would be loving, caring, and supportive, you would not subconsciously sense a pattern match and could easily disqualify that person as a potential mate. The concerning thing about this is that the mates that would end up being the best matches for you aren't recognized by your subconscious mind as a match. You won't feel that intense chemistry and desire to be with that person. You won't be able to change your subconscious pattern match system until you change your relationship patterns with yourself and the primary parent, whether that parent is living or gone. This is why it's important to learn about what your core wounds are and work to heal them. Core wounds are what leave you feeling inadequate, unworthy, unlovable, and flawed. Your core wounds are encoded into beliefs such as, I'm not enough, there's something wrong with me, people will abandon me or judge me, and so on. When you have these beliefs encoded in your subconscious mind, your mind will look for pattern matches to these beliefs as well. So if you have the belief, there's something wrong with me, you will attract people into your life who find fault with you and point out all the things that are wrong with you. If you have the belief I'm not good enough, you will attract people into your life who treat you as if you are inferior. So you see how this works. In order to heal our core wounds and beliefs, we need to challenge those beliefs. Whenever you're made to feel like you're inferior. You need to stand up for yourself and say to yourself, I'm not inferior. I'm just as good as anyone else is. You need to commit to being mindful of the things you tell yourself or how you feel so that you can begin to interrupt the patterns and introduce a new idea. If you continue to reinforce the idea, I'm just as good as he is, Your subconscious mind begins to register this new information, but it won't happen by just making such a statement one time. You need to develop a habit of challenging those negative core beliefs whenever they show up. You will find yourself saying things like, oh, there's my belief that I'm not good enough. This is a lie. I am good enough. I'm a good person. I'm very intelligent. I'm very talented. You're giving your subconscious mind new information on a consistent basis, so it begins to register this new information. But you're not out of the water yet. You will also need to change your own behavior and begin drawing really strong boundaries with those who put you down, try to control you, manipulate you, abuse you, or otherwise treat you badly. You've got to build the muscle of I deserve to be treated kindly to the point where you don't accept unkind treatment from others, including primary family members. Whenever you recognize another person's treatment of you as unkind, especially people you know who are in your life, you need to remind yourself that you no longer accept unkind treatment from others. This is where learning how to set strong boundaries comes in. You will need to tell those who are treating you unkindly that it's not okay with you that they speak to you like this or treat you like this. You might say something like, I'm not going to allow you to talk to me like this anymore, and if you continue to talk to me this way, I will leave. Or if you continue to talk to me like this, I can't have you in my life anymore. The process of setting boundaries like this is how you take back your power. You could complain about how your husband or wife treats you to all your friends who will listen, but continue to stay there and allow it. In a case like this, you're giving your power away to the unkind spouse. Instead of taking action, you're allowing the abuse to continue and simply complaining about it. Complaining about abusive behavior doesn't stop it or change it. What does stop it or change it is your unwillingness to allow it to continue. Let's say a woman decides to tell her husband that she won't tolerate his abusive treatment of her any longer. She may tell him that the way he speaks to her is not okay and she can't allow it to continue. Now, if he's narcissistic, he won't be able to hear her. And he will turn it around and probably tell her that she's the one who's being unkind or treating him badly, which is a form of gaslighting. Gaslighting is an invalidation of your experience or reality, such as when an abuser tells you you aren't being abused. So if you are a victim of gaslighting, it will be important for you to get help to get clear about what your reality is and then align with your experience of reality rather than with the abuser's experience of reality. You may have a therapist who identifies your experience as abuse. You may also have a couple friends who tell you that your spouse's behavior is abusive, but your spouse himself will deny that he's being abusive. So you will need to do a reality check and then align with your reality. For example, you might ask the question, Did he just call me a lowlife? Yes. Did he just tell me I was stupid? Yes. Did he just tell me I needed to lose weight because I'm fat? Yes. Did he just call me a whore and accuse me of sleeping with my coworker? Yes. Did he just throw a plate across the room? Yes. The next question is Are these behaviors abusive? You may need a friend or therapist to help you understand what abuse is if you are not clear. Or you may need to do some research or reading on the topic of abuse, especially narcissistic abuse, a real mind twister. Once you're clear that the partner, friend, boss, parent, sibling, or whoever you're struggling with is displaying abusive behavior, you'll need to set boundaries and say no more. When you make the decision to set a boundary, you will need to release your attachment to that relationship working out because most abusers don't respect boundaries. They run right over them. So when you say, I'm not going to allow you to speak to me like that anymore, and the abuser gaslights you, you may need to walk away regardless of what is at stake, because what is really at stake in your life is your well-being. And this is worth more than any arrangement you may have with the abuser. I get that when there's young children involved, it can be tricky You may need some guidance in a situation like this to come up with a plan or solution to how you will manage, but staying in a relationship with a toxic abuser is giving the abuser the message that you will continue to tolerate the abuse. Ironically, most abusers don't show their abusive side up front. They wait until they have you hooked into the relationship. There's an understanding that once you have fallen in love or become attached to the relationship or invested in some way, it will be more difficult to leave. So the abuser can be perfectly charming, generous, and delightful in the beginning until one day it's like a switch is flipped and the crazy person enters the scene. Toxic behavior is crazy-making behavior. It has you questioning and doubting yourself. It has you feeling bad about yourself. It has you believing there's something wrong with you. It may have you living in a state of anxiety and walking on eggshells. If you grow up in this kind of environment, it will feel familiar to you and you may not even recognize your environment as toxic or abusive, especially where narcissistic behavior is present. Narcissistic behavior may not initially look like abuse. It may look like insecurity, neediness, jealousy, a need to be in control, a need to have the upper hand, a need to have the last word, a need to be right, a need to win, the silent treatment. and other behaviors, you haven't identified as being abusive. Put all of these behaviors together in one package and it's a highly abusive and toxic environment. We often make the mistake to think or believe that abusive behavior only includes verbal and physical abuse. We're not always clear what physical abuse looks like if it isn't direct hitting, being held against your will, prevented from leaving the room, pushed, shoved, or having something thrown at you is physical abuse. Very controlling behavior is also highly abusive. Someone who tries to control your life is holding you hostage. If you're punished for not submitting to the control, then you slowly begin to give your power away to the punisher or abuser. A controller doesn't respect you your decisions, your beliefs, your choices, and most certainly not your independence. A controller will try and control your life and your relationships, deciding who you can have a relationship with and who you can't. He or she will make life very difficult for you. If you don't acquiesce to his or her demands, and make no mistake, these are demands Of course, controllers feel very out of control in their life and try to control those closest to them in order to feel like they have a sense of control in their life. They also control others to manage their own insecurity, neediness, and jealousy, to name a few. If a controller is unable to control you, there will be hell to pay. He or she will make life very difficult for you. It is said if a narcissist can't control you, he or she will try to control how others perceive you. This is certainly a true statement. Smear campaigns come out of a controller's attempt to tarnish or destroy your reputation as punishment for being uncontrollable. There's almost an if I can't have you, nobody can energy here. Narcissistic controllers will flat out lie in attempt to destroy your reputation. Most people who aren't familiar with narcissistic manipulation have a difficult time believing someone could be capable of making up such convincing lies about another person. I once had someone ask me, why would she make something like that up? There's a type of evil that comes out of narcissistic behavior that most of us can't wrap our minds around. We have difficulty believing such a nice person could be capable of such evils against another. Most of us couldn't begin to comprehend ever doing this to someone else. So we have a hard time believing that someone else is capable of doing such a thing to us. If you haven't developed enough awareness, you may jump to the conclusion that this person is treating you so badly because somehow you are bad. Some people don't believe they deserve anything better than this. And some people, especially the ones being gaslit, will often question and doubt their own reality, asking the question, did I really do those horrible things I'm being accused of? I was in a situation where several people in a group were accusing me of the same thing. And if I didn't have the level of experience I do with narcissistic behavior, I might have been a lot more affected. It was one controlling person who started the rumors, and the others simply believed what they were being told, because why would she make something like that up? In this case, the controlling person was able to control how some people perceived me. There was nothing I could do about this but to walk away, because you can rarely beat someone like this at their own game, mostly because you simply would not be capable of stooping to their level, which is win at all costs. When you start cutting off toxic relationships and learning to bow out and walk away when people are cruel, uncaring, controlling, and don't respect you or your boundaries, you begin to build up your sense of self-worth. Every time you walk away from a toxic situation, you're giving yourself the powerful message, I'm better than that. I'm worth more than that. I deserve to be treated better than that. Your subconscious mind begins to get the memo, and you will find yourself attracting more people into your life who are healthy and sane. But you also must be vigilant in noticing toxic behavior early before it goes too far. I've left a lot of relationships a few months in because I saw toxic behavior starting to surface. It's important to recognize that you can't change anyone. What you see is what you get. If someone is behaving in a toxic manner, it isn't your job to fix it. It's their own job, and most abusers won't take responsibility for their own behavior. They will blame you instead. This is typical of narcissistic behavior. Narcissists will project their reality onto you and accuse you of doing what it is they are doing. They're very good at blaming others for their own deficits. Most toxic people don't recognize their own toxic behavior. They don't self-reflect. They aren't aware of their own insecurity, neediness, jealousy, or need to control. So they aren't going to change their behavior. You can't help them. You need to help yourself instead. Take your life into your own hands and help yourself to break free. Take responsibility for your own toxicity if you have it. Codependency, defensiveness, denial, deep insecurity, high levels of anger and explosiveness, neediness, and high levels of jealousy can be very toxic. So we need to recognize the toxicity in ourselves so we can heal it. We heal it by understanding our family dynamics and our core wounds. Someone who stays in an abusive relationship is part of the toxicity. Otherwise, they wouldn't stay. Someone who goes into denial and can't admit to themselves that they're even in an abusive relationship are contributing to the toxicity Someone who feels so needy and afraid of abandonment that they won't leave is displaying toxic behavior. Someone who is constantly trying to fix an abusive partner is contributing to the toxicity. It takes two to tango. Someone can only be an abuser if there's someone playing the role of the abused. There can only be a manipulator if someone allows himself or herself to be manipulated. There can only be a controller when someone allows himself or herself to be controlled. So we need to develop enough awareness to recognize these dynamics and break free of them. In order to change your toxic relationship patterns, you need to recognize what it is that's making your relationship toxic. You need to understand the patterns. You need to understand what it is about you that's keeping you engaged on this level. And you need to set out to heal the core wounds and beliefs that keep you recycling the patterns. Once you begin to do this, you'll see a new, healthier pattern emerging. And the healthier you become, the more you recognize how crazy the toxicity was that you were once engaged in. Committing to yourself and your own well-being is the most powerful commitment you will ever make. I always say marry yourself first. Promise to love, honor, and cherish yourself in sickness and in health first. That powerful, loving relationship with yourself will move you toward a powerful and loving relationship with someone else. I want to thank you for being with me today and listening. And for more information about me and my work, please visit narcissismfree.com. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the next podcast.